Welcome to Project Chatter, the podcast where PPM experts from various sectors talk about the latest trends. Listen to Val and Dale as they talk about tried and tested best practices and share their unfiltered thoughts about the industry. Whether you're here to learn how to progress your career, improve your project control skills, or just want to hear an Aussie and South African rant about projects, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Project Chatter podcast with your hosts, Dale Fung and Val Matthews. This podcast is brought to you by Innate. We hear it from our podcast guests frequently. Today's capital projects require the highest degree of visibility. That's why we at the Project Chatter podcast want to tell you about construction project management software from Innate. It's software that integrates every aspect of your project and puts you in control. Innate's cloud-based solutions provide a connected data flow that improves efficiency and guides better outcomes across the entire project lifecycle. See what Innate software can do for your next construction project. Learn more at innate.com. That's I-N-E-I-G-H-T dot com. This podcast is brought to you by Plan Academy. Is your company proactive when it comes to scheduling? Many companies believe project schedules are just the requirements of the contract, but companies looking to gain an advantage strategically manage their project timeline, resources, and budget. Plan Academy helps construction companies improve their project controls through immersive online training courses. At Plan Academy, your team can learn construction, planning and scheduling theory, how to master scheduling software like Primavera P6, and even advanced scheduling techniques. Plan Academy's courses are 100% online and can save your company thousands when compared to costly in-person training. Visit planacademy.com forward slash chatter to download course outlines and talk to a training specialist now. Hi everyone, this episode is brought to you by Just Do. Just Do is a portfolio project management tool we've been using at Project Chatter. Whilst all other systems cater for small teams, Just Do caters for teams large and small, plus it has no set hierarchies, meaning your structure, your platform, your workflow. I agree, Val. While Just Do is simple to use, it also has a lot of powerful functionality. My favorite is the task-specific chat. Yes, and for all you slackers out there, don't wait for Monday. Do check out justdo.com. Now on with the pod. In this episode, we are joined by Americo Pinto, and he gets to talk about the fascinating things he's done in his career in PMO. Yeah, Mariko is a project management specialist and researcher with a strong experience in large projects and PMOs in Brazil and Europe. Mariko is also a DBA candidate at Rennie School of Business in France. Wow, so he's truly international, Val. But we mm. do know he's also the chairman of PMO Global Alliance. We touched on that as well in some of the free resources there. I know in the beginning we did have one or two internet glitches because during recording there he had a storm in Brazil over Rio. So it is a bit glitchy in the beginning, but it does get better towards the second half. Um, and I wonder if you could pick up some highlights for our listeners. Yeah, look, where do we start? I think one, just talking about the malleability and the adaption and adoption of where PMO fits and it's not one, one size fits all. And we did challenge Wikipedia, which I thought was fun. Yeah. We do always like to challenge the big old wiki, but um, I, th I think we've speak spoken previously about WikiLeaks from a project management perspective, so maybe we should do that too. But anyway, um, folks, look out for that challenge on wiki. We also spoke a little bit, we use the doctor analogy a lot for PMO as mm. the physician, medical doctor. So listen out for that theme throughout the podcast, folks. But let's not give too much away. He throws in his definition of what a PMO is as well, which is, I think, pretty cool. Um, but... Let's not talk anymore. Let's leave it there. Enjoy the pod. 
Hello, project people. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Project Chatter podcast. It's always great to have you with us. If you haven't already hit subscribe, you should, or follow us on your favorite podcast players or YouTube if you prefer to see some friendly faces and maybe even a few bloopers, Dale, not me. Uh, I actually got through that intro without screwing it up. Fantastic. Uh, Dale, how are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. It is getting a bit chilly now. I always like to give you a weather update in the UK, um, and it it is getting a little bit chilly. Uh, and heating prices are soaring, so those of us in the UK aren't looking forward to winter. But just today, day of recording, the UK has announced that uh, South Africa is off the red list for travel, so it's on the cards for me to go home and visit South Africa oh, in December. So I'll hopefully get a nice, warm, hot Christmas come December. Absolutely. Well done. Yeah. And uh, while you're there, before you get into it, and we be introduce our, our special guest today, quick plug for the Project Controls Group networking event in London, if you can. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we mentioned on the last episode, but um, Project Controls Group, check it out on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, we decided a lot of these networking events are behind paywalls. Why not break those down? Free networking event in London, uh, 21st of October. Come along, no agenda. No one's going to sell you anything. Just come along and meet like-minded people in, in, in the industry. Have a drink. Stay for as long or short as you want. But uh, it'll be great to see you there if you can make it. Check us out on LinkedIn. Tell you what, I'm jealous down in Melbourne. We're still in lockdown. Can you believe it? So kicking on almost two years. Uh, but let's get into this. Uh, we are joined by a special guest today, Americo Pinto. How are you today, mate? Hi, I'm great. Thank you, Val. Thank you, Dale. It's my pleasure to be here with you today. And hi for all your audience. Thank you. No, it's, it's a, always our pleasure to host um, such great guests. And we will let the listeners know that there may be some interruptions with your internet. There was a storm over over Rio. So just in case you do cut out, Dale and I will have to do some party favors and carry on with the show. But look, let's get into it before we lose you. Uh, look, I want to start with who you are, Americo, and where you came from, your journey into PMO, if you don't mind. I'd love to hear how you got started and, and where it happened for you. Okay, so, well, it's a long journey, longer than I'd like that it could be, maybe I could be a little younger, right? But uh, actually, uh, I, 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 I live in Rio, in Brazil. I'm Brazilian and, and part Brazilian, part Portuguese. And I live most of the time in pandemic times in, in Rio. Uh, I have, I've been working uh, on project management area for 24, 25 years. And uh, more a little more focused on PMOs that is my topic is my passion in the last 14 15 years so uh, I started my career uh, in the big consulting companies right in Latin America I, I worked for for some time in Europe and uh, I, I, I'm I could say that I'm an entrepreneur because I've already uh, founded uh, two companies, uh, two consulting companies, and I sold them. Uh, and uh, before all of this, actually, uh, my, my life was a little different because before starting to, to work with, with project management, I, I was a professional actor in Brazil. So wow. I changed it. I changed my, my, you know, my, my, my path. Totally, not not so totally because I still like you know I, I still like uh, to to work as a 
a public speaker and in some way it's a show right so it's it's a way to 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 make me happy and that's it in, in, the, in the last three years four years actually uh my my, my life changed totally because i decided to sell my companies and create and found a new organization that is PMO Global Alliance, that is a community, a professional community for PMO professionals. So today I, I'm, I'm, I lead this, this organization. I dedicate almost all my time to that. I'm also a, a volunteer, maybe the biggest one, but I, I am also a volunteer and we work with many people around the world more than 12,000 people around the world uh, that support us and work in many interesting projects. That's fantastic, Americo. And I think you may be the second professional actor we've had on the show, but it's great to have um, those types of people inside PMO because I think some of the time we have a messaging issue with demonstrating the benefit of PMO. And if you've got those skills and the tenacity on stage and you can present and articulate yourself well, I think it goes a long way. I've certainly got a lot to learn, um, probably Dale as well, but it's great to have people like yourself on the show. Um, look, I, I know we've got a few topics to, to cover today, but I wanted to start in the technical realm if I can. And Dale and I have got a lot of questions about best PMOs. And I think we've got a bit of a theme going on in the last few shows, Dale, haven't we, with regards to PMO. And we want to lift the hood and talk about some of the methodologies. And you mentioned it before we pressed record um your kind of take or approach to pmo um did you want to explain what you meant by pmo methodologies and and where that goes for you okay great so uh pmos of course they are related to project management but they are something very different and, and why because when we, we we talk about project management that is a, that is the best way to do that for example there is the best practice to create a, a scheduling or to manage risks or to you know, uh, develop a budget. But when we talk about PMOs, it's not like that. There is no best practice. In fact, each PMO is different. Maybe the only thing that they have in common is the name PMO, sometimes not even that. And, and, and if there is a secret, maybe it's the fact that they should be different. You mentioned benefits, right? What, what are the benefits of a PMO? Many people ask it ask about it all the time, but the answer is it depends because it depends on what you need. You know, it's not mm. the benefits of a PMO. We are talking about the benefits that you expect and the PMO will adapt to deliver them. It's, the, it's a different logic, you know? Mm -hmm. So PMOs can generate the most different set of benefits and, and what make them successful is exactly their ability to do that, to generate benefits that make sense for each company, for each group of stakeholder, stakeholders. So uh, when we talk about methodologies, there are some standards, there are some models of PMOs. Uh, our, our organization, we work in a different approach. Instead of believing that you can rely on a standard or, or a specific uh, trendy model of PMO from time to time, new, new names, you know, like value management office, agile, uh, uh, PMO, and there are many, you know, cool names for PMOs, but 
instead of relying on them, what maybe we should do is to keep our mind open and take what each of these proposals uh, can provide in terms of good ideas. And this way you can create your OPMO that can be a little of each one, you know, mm. like a little agile, a little value management, a little whatever you want, but it will be aligned with the real needs of your customers. That, that, that's the idea, I think. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think there's, um, there's a lot in there for everybody. And I love the idea that, that PMOs are adaptable and it's not one size fits all. And sometimes that's the misconception of, of clients and, and certainly companies when they, when they want to go out and establish a PMO, they say, right, where's the blueprint? Let's, let's just roll this out like it's a tent and you can just unfold it. Uh, but we actually know it's, it's aligned to the business objectives and the business strategy. Um, it needs to kind of understand what the, what the intent is, what the outcome of the project is. And then there's the discussion of delivery. So from a PMO delivery perspective, um, a lot of the time, when you mentioned Agile, a lot of the time we've got kind of two or three little methodologies we can pick from. We can pick from the, the CPM type of waterfall delivery method. We can pick from Agile and some of those types of methods, or we can do something in between. In your experience, what, what do you suggest when, when you're establishing a PMO or maybe you're refreshing the PMO that you would, what would be the approach to um, delivery methodologies for, for an organization? Great. So we, we can see a very strong movement in the direction of an agile approach, right? That's mm. something that people just, you know, they, they just uh, 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 wish at this moment, you know, many executives, many middle managers, they believe that the agile world can be the solution. Uh, in fact, uh, agile is something, first of all, it's not something new, right? Mm. It's there for maybe two decades. And, uh, and the point is, yes, it's good in many different ways, but it's not the magic pill because there is no magic pill, right? So the point is, yes, you can be agile when you need it. And for many companies, it will make sense, you know, because of the type of project, because of the culture of the company, because of the size of the projects. But there are many companies that they, they will need something a little different. And Agile can't provide all the answers they, they really want. And this way, waterfall can make more sense, you know, for maybe big engineering companies, construction companies. And there is not, nothing wrong with that, right? So mm. sometimes people, people act like if, if it's a religion, you know, you have to, to have the, the belief on, on that specific approach. And if you say that the other one is good, oh, you go to, to hell, right? And, and that's not the idea. Yeah. You can, you can we, we say in Brazil, we usually say that uh, it, it's a Christian country. And we, we usually say that you don't need to pray for just one cent. You can pray for many of them because the chances of one of them deliver your miracle will be higher, right? So <laughs> why should you choose one of them? It doesn't make any sense, right? And that's it. The balance between all these alternatives will bring to you much more, uh, you know, adequate solutions, solutions that really fit to needs and to everything that is expected from the PMO. So 
Can you be agile? Sure. Can you be a little more waterfall? No problem. And hybrid is perhaps the, you know, the, 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 the path that many companies and many PMOs are trying because it's much more flexible and you can adapt mm. to whatever you need. That's pretty cool, Americo. And you talk about adaptability, agility, uh, and a whole host of various uh, uh, angles to PMO. And there's lots of differences between PMOs all over the world. And I just wonder, those business leaders potentially listening to this, I don't know if any business leaders listen to this podcast, but anyway, if they are, <laughs> let's say they are, uh, how do they go they about- They should, they should. They should, they absolutely should. We have such amazing guests like <laughs> yourself, so they should. No, but I was just thinking- if they had no idea about PMOs and you go, yeah, they're different. They're all, you know, different kinds and everything like that. How do they go about determining what type of PMO they should implement into their specific business? Is there, is there sort of this, uh, you know, you can tick these boxes and boom, outcomes. This is the type of PMO you need. Is there such like a, a menu or I don't know, color palette or whatever, I don't know what analogy to use, but something where you can go, right. These are my business requirements. So therefore, this is the type of PMO I need, or is it a case of actually, you know what, you probably need to get a consultant in that knows what a PMO is to assess what your needs are. Um, right. So it's an interesting space to be in because a lot of companies go, well, then is the consultant just want to, you know, make me pay lots of money for something that's not going to bring much value. There's that big debate we've had on the podcast before as well. So it's, it's, it's quite a, I think, a huge one that we should unpeel for those looking to bring PMOs in. I think it's growing across the globe as well. It's a thing now. You have to have a PMO in, in, in your organization, but I don't know what a PMO is, so I don't know where to start. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that, that's a very good question, Dale. Uh, first of all, let me tell you two important things that everyone should understand before you start. The first thing is, sometimes you don't need a PMO. Right, so I can tell you that every company in the world will need a PMO. It's not true, right? So the first point is, does it make sense to you? That's the first answer you need. The second question is, is that the correct time to do that? Because sometimes, actually all the times you will need uh, a proper culture and, and a minimum maturity because if you try if you try to sell the idea of a PMO for executives for example that have no maturity or no culture about project management it's like uh, there is a a model uh, named uh, Johari window and it, mm -hmm. it, you can use you can use it to classify wisdom and like the idea is the first stages you don't know that you don't know. And the second stage is now you know that you don't know. If your executive don't know, doesn't know that he doesn't know, actually it will be impossible for him or for her understand the value of what you are proposing. You know what I mean? Mm. So first we have to move them to the next level. They have to see, to see what's happening and say, hey, we don't know. And now I, I know that, you know, actually we need to, to improve what we are doing. When they realize that it's the time to start because now what you will offer to them, they will be able to see that there is some value there. You know, it's like, for example, 
of course, a Ferrari has a great value. But if you give the keys of a Ferrari for a three years old child, he or she will tell you, oh, no, I want a toy. You know, I don't want a real mm -hmm. Ferrari. There is no value because there is a lack of maturity. It's obvious, right? So when you understand that, the next step is starting. And the point is, it's very easy to try to find pre-established models. As I said, magic pills, you know, like for example, one of the most frequent question is what, what type of PMO should I implement? PMO types are just a way to illustrate the experience of those people that are proposing them. Why? Because they, of course, they base that, that model of PMO and their experience and what they saw in the market, you know, and they say, hey, PMO should be like this. Okay, they are not lying. But it's a perspective because an a PMO is like an elephant. If you stay, you know, blindfolded around the elephant, if you touch the elephant, and I ask you which animal are you touching? If you are in the tail, you tell me that it's a snake. If you are in the ear, you tell me that it's a, I don't know, a fish. If you are in the uh, in front of the elephant, it will be another animal. Which which person is correct? all of them, because we are talking about different perspectives. So those models, they are different perspectives and they are good, but good not to be followed as a belief. They are good to be an inspiration for you to create your own model. So there is no ideal model. The ideal PMO is that one that you will create for you, for your company at that time, because maybe in two years, it should be different. So as I said, you can take, you can be a little strategic, you can be a little consultative, you can be a little agile, you can be, you know, you can take all of them. Maybe at the end of the day, you realize that, oh, it looks like that, that, that specific type. Okay, but maybe it will be something different. And it's important to understand that, you know, because if you don't do that, you will always be searching for the next one. And there will be an extra one. I don't know which, which one will be, but there will be like the, I don't know, the tantric PMO, right? Maybe, right? But, but, but these new, new proposals will be there because new perspectives will be added to this discussion, you know? So if you want to be a success, a well succeed PMO leader, you have to be able to understand all those perspectives, understand your own perspective and create something that makes sense to you and to your customers, because you have customers, you are a service provider. So what are you doing about that? That's the question. Yeah, America, that's amazing because I, I think what you're saying is, you know, get someone in that knows what a PMO is to help you understand what you need to implement because as you say with this you know depending on which part of the elephant you're touching or you need maybe not you're touching which, which part you need you don't know whether you need the trunk or maybe you need the right foot or whatever the case may be so yeah. it's quite interesting but then i go back to well okay so it's great if you know someone in the pmo space and you trust them 
and you know that can come in but then if you're going to go to consultancy it's like going to a doctor or trusting an accountant which one or a lawyer uh, yeah. which one do you go to is there any secret mm -hmm. rule signs to look out for for those to to go you know go, go for that type of pmo professional to mm -hmm. help you implement something what mm -hmm. would you look for that that's a, a good question because well let me tell you uh, a very uh, interesting point of view. The, 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 the question is, sometimes you can just hire a very experienced PMO leader, for example, right? So you say, I will start a PMO. I don't want to work with consulting companies and I will just take someone really experienced and that's what I need. Okay, this is one way. The second possibility, you can say, no, I'm going to uh, uh, hire a consultant, right? And this person will support me. Good. Uh, and there is the third way that is something related to our community. I'm going to tell you later about that. The difference between the two first options is, again, the perspectives. Because when you have a very experienced PMO leader, I, there is no, no, I'm not questioning if he or she is really good, possibly, yes. For example, 10 years, you know, in a PMO, a very successful PMO, great. But it's one perspective, you know what I mean? It's very common that this kind of person, when he or she come to another company, try to repeat what he was doing, right, before, because, of course, it's it was successful why i will try something different right and mm. and that's something different from the consultant point of view because the consultant point of view is someone that already worked with a couple of companies and and it's more clear you know it's clear to to, to you that they are different they should be different you know and you have to adapt so this way it's easier because now you have more point of views you have not only yours but you have more point of views you know and it's easier for you to create solutions using some of them so the third possibility uh, actually doesn't mean that you have to choose just one of them but uh, what we do in PMO Global Alliance is something that we believe that can help both, both kind of professionals. Uh, we try to share the experience of the community as a whole, you know? So we are, we are talking about uh, hundreds and hundreds of, of PMO leaders, experienced PMO leaders. They provide their point of view. And now we have a little more statistical you know, approach, because now we can understand which good ideas exist, but also the frequency that they look to be successful. Because, for example, I could say, oh, our objective is lose weight, right? And we can put 10 people together and ask, how is the best way, way to lose weight? And some of them will say, oh, you have to work out. Some of them will say, oh, you have to uh, stop eating a lot, right? Or maybe, I don't know, take some medicines. And one of the guys will say, oh, the best way is playing guitar. And you'll say, what? 
It doesn't make sense. And this guy will tell you exactly how he lost weight playing guitar. If you buy his book, you will believe on that. If you attend his speech in the, that big conference, you will swear that the best way to lose weight is playing guitar. But yeah. how, how, you know, how is the probability, oh, again, that's the problem when you have just one point of view. So you have to understand the advantages and the advantages of each option, a professional, or you should hire a consultant or none of them. No, no, no. You just have to understand what is around you, you know, what risk, which risks you are taking. And that's the point, right? What you, how, how do you want to lose weight, right? <laughs> that, that, that's the point. No, it's a great point. And um, yeah, just a couple of comments. And I guess one more question before I hand back to Val. I think you're right. So from what I'm taking from what you're saying, it's look for diverse experience from whoever you're taking advice from. So they can give you those various perspectives and possibly possibly give you the right advice. I guess, as you say, it's like, you know, if we go back to the doctor analogy, the more experience the doctor has in various sort of illnesses and ailments, the, the better advice they could give you. Um, because they're not they're not just focused in on, you know, uh, I don't know, the, the health of your joints, for example. And you um, know, Dale, uh, that, that, that there is something interesting, because uh, we, we, we talk about uh, the idea of benchmarking you know, all the time, oh, I will visit that company because they are really good on that, you know? Okay, you can do that. But when you are talking about a more operational process, for example, if you know what they're doing and you just copy, probably you get the same results. Mm. But when you talk about PMOs, if you visit a company and you say, wow, it's really great. I'm going to do that in my company. The chances of failing are great because mm. you are in another position around the elephant. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's something very important. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. I think your internet connection is just about holding on, but um, we, 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 we are making out what you're saying. So that's fantastic. I guess the other thing that's flawed with my analogy to doctors, though, is that the PMO profession is relatively young compared to the health profession. And mm -hmm. in many ways that actually, although that leaves quite a few flaws, it also leaves quite a lot of opportunities as well for us to grow as a profession and, and, and collectively, as you mentioned, use the wisdom of the crowds, right, through the PMO Global Alliance, which I quite like. But just as I said, one more question before I hand back to Val. I want to know, are there any tangible ways we can demonstrate the benefits of a PMO to someone that's never used one? Is there something we can go, the PMO having a PMO will give you X, Y, Z, and that can be measured and demonstrated. Good. So first of all, it's important to change the focus, right? Because for example, it's easy. If I tell you, it's easy to understand that, oh, you have to deliver expectations. Oh, it's obvious, right? You have, you have customers. Customers are the directors, project managers, they, they usually, they are not part of the PMO, according to, to research, uh, functional managers, all of them are your customers and they have some expectations about what you will deliver to them, 
great. So there are two ways to see that. The first thing is, okay, I want to collect their expectations. Good. So I will ask them what they expect from me. For example, uh, would you like a methodology? Would you like some reports? Would you like some training? And it's wrong. That's not the, the correct way. And why? Because they don't care about that. What they want is the real benefits, the result. For example, the executive feel that information to make a decision or reliable information to make a decision. This is the real pain. The project manager feels that the cost and time are out of control. This is the real pain. You know, uh, I, I feel that my, my team members, they are not motivated to work on projects. This is my real pain. This is not what the PMO will do. So the PMO is like the, the physician, you know, the doctor will not ask you, hey, which medicine do you want? And you'll say, oh, no, I want this and that. No, no, no. The doctor will ask you, what is your pain? And you say, oh, I have a pain, you know, my stomach. Ah, good. The best metal, uh, cost and time control is out of control. I'm going to tell you, hey, reports is something that I can provide you. If you tell me that your team members are, are not motivated to work on projects, reports can't help. You know, I have to provide mentoring or, you know, training or something like that. So that's why PMOs are so different. Because if you are able to understand the pains of your customers, the, the medicines that you will prescribe will be different. So if someone says, oh, no, every PMO should do that, it's not the truth. Because even mm. if that pain is very, very frequent, it doesn't mean that is the pain of your customers. So don't believe that PMOs should do this or that. You should do what will deliver the benefits. And benefits are the pain. That's the idea, right? Yeah, well said, uh, Mariko. I, I wanted to, I mean, I, lo I love that we're using analogies. We, we talked about Ferraris. We talked about elephants. Now we're onto the physician. I think the physician's actually a really good one, uh, Mariko. And it is, it's great to tell stories like this. I think it helps the listeners and, and certainly myself understand what we're talking about in a broader concept uh, or context. But I think the physician element is right. And, you know, every doctor is different too. I mean, some doctors are fantastic. They're very thorough. They're very uh, attentive to detail. Some doctors are not, they just get the scratch pad out and they'll, they'll issue you a prescription, even though you didn't ask for one. And I think what we're saying is, you know, it is a malleable environment, but it's also up to the practitioner to be a good practitioner. And so a good doctor, for example, would definitely start with, okay, what are your symptoms? And then go into a diagnostic and start analyzing all the elements, you know, maybe take your blood pressure, check the body, uh, check the various elements, open your mouth, say, ah, so what I think is important is, is when you are, maybe you're establishing yourself in a PMO that's already existing. And I want to get your thoughts on this in a second um, is that you run your own diagnostic and you check for health checks across the kind of the, the project itself. I'm wondering from a PMO perspective and your, and your experience, uh, Americo, what is that uh, health check 
look like? What does the diagnostic look like? If you were going into an organization and they had an established PMO, you know, using the physician uh, analogy, how would you go about that? And are there some templates, checklist rules that you would apply? Very good. Uh, in fact, uh, I usually use something that is a result of a six-year research, uh, the uh, research project that was uh, led by, by me at PMO Global Alliance. Uh, with, with the support of 122 PMO leaders, we wow. developed a methodology named PMO Value Ring. PMO Value Ring uh, is, a, is a methodology that can be used to set up PMOs from scratch or to assess existing PMOs or to improve PMOs. But what is important is there are many steps, eight steps to be correct, but the first step is a very, very good diagnosis. And why? Because there, there is something that is very important for any PMO that I name it alignment. Alignment is not how you are doing what you are doing. Alignment is what if you are doing what you should do. That's the point, right? Because sometimes you can do something very well, but as Peter Drucker said, there is nothing more useless than doing very well something that should never be done, right? So the point is we have to be aligned, aligned with expectations. That's the point. If you want mm. to generate value, if you want to generate perception of value, perception of value is a feeling. People will say, yeah, it's good. Maybe I don't know how to explain why it's good, but I feel it is. That's what a PMO should generate to, to survive and thrive. And generate perception of value starts with identifying identify the pants, right? And on step one, we created something very interesting because on, on pmovaluering.com, there is a, a tool that people can use. There is a, a, a free account. And, and we, we have, based on the experience of our community, we have a database functions and benefits. So if you tell me which benefits do you, do you want, it's like if you could ask literally more than 1,000 PMO leaders, do you believe that when I provide methodology, I can have a better control? And we mm. know the answer of all these people. So if your customer says, says says i want a better control ah very good so based on the community we know that function a function b function c we have 26 these functions are really good to bring this benefit but those functions they are not really good so we can realize that those that function that you believe that should exist in any pmo in fact is not good for your pmo because what that function can generate in terms of perception of value that exists in your company, you know? So mm -hmm. even if you don't use the methodology, think like that, collect expectations, try to think how each function, its PMO function can deliver that expectation and try to create a mix of functions that can deliver you know, that set of expectations that will be different from company to company. 
So yeah. that, that's how I see that you can try a good di diagnosis. <clears throat> no, that's interesting. And I, I think um, one of the things I, th I think, uh, you know, a, a good physician will also ask, going back to that analogy around um, establishing a diagnostic would be most likely the questions are the same that you would ask, but the results or the response would be different. So for example, you know, a high, a high value project, which has a lot of risk, um, that probably has a lot of moving parts would be a lot more, let's say complex or maybe complicated and would have different responses and requirements of the PMO as opposed to a small project with maybe four or five people involved. You know, maybe it's a website build or something. So there's a big dra drastic difference in the responses, but the questions are probably the same, aren't they? Um, I'm trying, I love the idea of the value ring, by the way, just a slide side comment. I think that's uh, fantastic. We love free here on the podcast. Uh, we we also like to to get people involved. I mean, if there's a way to contribute to that that pool of, um, as you mentioned, thousands of PMO practitioners, I think that's fantastic. Uh, we really love what you're doing, America. I think it's, it's a great thing for for PMO practitioners all around. Because as we said, PMO isn't necessarily a a fixed point in time or or role for that matter. A PMO engineer or practitioner could be someone who is very technical, maybe more project controls focused, uh, or it could be someone who's more broader in the uh -huh. in the sense of a portfolio, or you know at the executive level, uh, providing more strategic advice. Um, one of the questions I have is around trending because I know before we you guys were talking about trending, and I wanted to get in there on that before I hand over to Dale. Is in Australia, and I'm not sure what the rest of the world's like, and this is why I'm curious. We're seeing a lot more, and there are PMOs being developed a lot more in various different sectors. I mean, we're seeing PMOs now in ag, which is great, um, industrial agriculture. But what I've noticed as well, we're also seeing an increase, particularly in transport infrastructure projects, an increase in project controls as a separate department. And we're not seeing PMOs in those departments. We're seeing project controls as its own entity. Are you seeing something similar from, from the people you've spoken to in the value ring? Uh, it depends on the industry, right? Because the, the point is a PMO is nothing more than a centralization of functions. That's it. Like to perform in a centralized way, uh, acquisitions, for example, IT, IT, 30 years ago, you know, uh, each area had, uh, you know, the guy, the, 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 yeah. the, 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 the IT guy, right? Uh, mm -hmm. and, but sometimes companies realize that centralize these functions can bring benefits to the company in terms of competence, in terms of cost, and many other benefits. PMOs are the exact and choose their methodology. You can let each department buy their tool. You can let anyone do what they want. But if we can centralize some of these functions, it can bring benefits. The point is, should all functions be centralized at this you know, department called PMO? Not necessarily. In some companies, some of these functions, sometimes they are are out of the PMO, but also centralize it. You know what I mean? So mm. the decision is much more about first, what you want to centralize. And the second decision is where it will be, you know? So you can put everything into the PMO, 
But there are companies that say, no, portfolio management will be with the strategy guys, you know, and control will be at the finance area. It's okay. It's, it's a way, you know, that you can organize. And it doesn't mean that you, you will be successful or not. It does, you know, there is no pattern that show you that it, it's a, a, a factor of, of success. So the point is there are many ways to do that. But the decision of centralizing is because you believe that it will be bring some benefit to your company. That's it. Yeah. Now that's good points. And the, the reason I raise it is I kind of don't agree with, and Wikipedia is probably the worst dictionary or, or encyclopedia to use, but they've got a, they've got a, a definition for PMO. And I prefer the one you mentioned where it's a bit more malleable. It depends on, on the project, depends on the risk, depends on the value, depends on the, on the organization's benefits and then what they're trying to align to. And I, I think that's a really good point. And, and maybe with an indicator, if you're looking at where PMO should be, it should be uh, looking at areas where you have risk on projects where you are concerned. And so if you're assessing a project before you start, perhaps you go, okay, well, there's going to be an area of risk around, let's say it's a software project. So we need really, you know, maybe it's an agile approach to that. We need strong methodology and processes in that place. Or maybe it's uh, something around cost because your client's cost sensitive. So we need some integration with finance. We need to make sure that's aligned. Um, but I think a risk focus forward is, is a really good way to do that. I'm going to share with you, America, and you can laugh as well because I will, uh, of the definition from Wiki on PMO. It says a project management office is a group of, or department with a business government agency or enterprise that defines and maintains standards for project management within the organization. I'm okay with that part. That kind of sits with me okay. We're, we're part of an organization, great. Yeah. The PMO strives to standardize, which is fine, and introduce economies of repetition in the execution of projects. That bit I struggle with. And I don't know if you want to comment on that because it, it almost, and Dale will bring this up almost every podcast, you know, a project is a unique endeavor. And I think actually that also makes the unique application of PMO different every time too. Uh, but here, Wiki's flying in the face against what we're all saying. So is are we right or is Wiki right? Yeah, actually, my point of view, based on the experience of our community, I could tell you that this definition is a physician saying which medicines you should take without knowing your pens. Mm. That's it. You know, a PMO should... Standard, it should provide standards, blah, blah, blah. A PMO should do this, a PMO should do that. Come on, stop saying what a PMO should do. First, mm. understand me, understand what I want, because perhaps what I need is something that is not usual. It, it's there, it's there because it's usual, right? These medicines are the most usual medicines for most of the company. So I understand because it's there. But, but it, it's very important to. to Keep in mind that we don't need to follow this list of medicines, you know, we can analyze different situations and prescribe something different. There is nothing wrong with that. that. That's the most important point. So PMO definitions, they are, again, they are useful. And if you take, I, I love books. I have it in my, my personal library. Uh, I could say possibly I have all books about PMOs in the world. I have, I think I have all of them. What's if your you favorite take, there? If you take uh, my favorite one, uh, that's a good question. I, I could tell you that I have, I have two, two of them, two of them. There, there is one very recent that was published by a French guy 
Peter, uh, Philip Husser, uh, the name is the High Performance PMO. Mm. This is a, a very, very, you know, interesting point of view. I like it very much. If you, if you want to buy one, I recommend this one. <laughs> Sorry uh, to interrupt your train of thought there. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Yeah. And I, 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 lo I love to recommend books, by the way. So when, when, uh, so the point is, if you take all of them, you will see that each one provide a different definition. So my question is, which one is the correct one? Because if all of them are different, it's because one of them is right and the others are wrong, right? No, it's not like that. Again, the elephant, different points of view, different mm. experiences. They, are, they, 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 have, they, they, they were, were written by consultants, most of them, and great consultants with different points of views. So the question is not understanding that definitions, but understanding your definition of PMO. What do you need for your PMO? You know, so it makes things more difficult because it's very easy to take a book, you know, follow that mm. and say, hey, it's not my fault. That guy is a guru. He said that you should, I, I should do that. I tried and I failed. It's not my fault. It's easy. It's the easy path. But if you want to be successful, you have to take the responsibility. You are the person that should create your own solution. Nobody will do it for you. Not even consultants. You have to understand what you need and you have to be able to say, I'm talking about the PMO leader, right? And you have to be able to say that in a very explicit way for those that are setting up or rethinking your PMO. Now that, and I'm with you on this and uh, Wiki, you need to sort yourself out, but I, I'm, I'm reading between the lines on some of this. And I think maybe what they mean is maybe there's some standard applications that you can apply because I think I do, I find sometimes clients and organizations struggle to find the benefit of PMO just because of that very point that you made that we are malleable, that it does depend that we can be various elements of the elephant um, and we can shape shift depending on the needs of the business. And that can happen by the way, during the project. So Sometimes on these long projects, you might start with a, a very you know, thick governance, organized, controlled, um, you know, authoritative kind of PMO. But then over time, you might reduce the size of that PMO, make it a bit more agile, make it a bit more lean, exactly. uh, just to manage and, and kind of evolve with the project, I think is what I'm trying to say. So I think there's some elements, I think we can, maybe we can update it, Americo, as part of a a joint venture, we can add our contributions to that page and make sure it's a little bit more accurate around the the uh, agile element when you just mentioned. But Dale, what do you think? I'd love to get your ideas on this. Yeah, it is interesting because I think we've said it already where, you know, the PMO, the, it, it varies across organizations. And I, I do agree with you, Val. I do like Americo's definition, you know, that it in its basic form, it's a centralization of, you know, mm. all of the various functions that support a project. Um, and I guess it's taking all of that collective uh, knowledge and expertise in the support functions and bringing that all together. It's like the. Sorry, I missed you there, Mark. Uh, your mic's yeah. gone out, Dale. You there? You hear me now? There we go. Welcome yes, back. Yes. Am I back with you? Sorry. Technical problems all over the show there, not only in Brazil, but also in the UK. There we go. Yeah. What, would, what would a Project Chatter podcast show be without any bloopers? 
just to show it is raw, informal, and unscripted, ladies and gentlemen. But no, just getting back on track, I mean, to one of your comments, Americo, you know, sort of, you know, you don't kind of tell a doctor, you know, what to do or, or what, what medicine to give you, or the doctor doesn't say, you know, this is the medicine you need. They kind of ask you. I find it quite interesting as well because typically when you're part of a project, others, and we said this before, Val, you know, others that aren't part of the PMO will, t- will tell you what you should do as the PMO, but you wouldn't go to the, the engineering department and go, this is what you need to do, or go to the finance department and go tell the accountants, this is what you need to do, or tell HR, this is what you need to do. They know what they uh-huh. need to do. Um, so it almost feels like people think they have a license to, to tell PMO professionals what they should be doing. Um, but that's just interesting within itself, I think, as well. I want to jump into a bit of the future about the future of PMOs. And if we go down and use the whole physician, you know, general practitioner, GP, medical doctor analogy, over years, I mean, okay, if you go back, bloodletting was part of, you know, Mm -hmm. a way to alleviate various ailments, et cetera. But then as obviously medicine evolved, you, you, everyone, the standard raised, and we kind of knew what, you know, the, the root cause of the symptoms were, and we could treat that. But then you also find today you have specialists in certain areas. Now, I wonder, because we're such a young profession in the PMO space, first, we have to get up to a standard where all PMO or most PMO practitioners have the, not necessarily the skill set, but they have um, resources available to them to draw upon, right? That's readily available. And the podcast is one of them, maybe. Um, the other thing I'd say is that do, do you see um, specializations coming out of PMO professionals? So for example, you know, this project needs that type of PMO professional. Here's this guy or girl that's really experienced or has the qualifications for that specific type of symptom or ailment or root cause they're going to come in there for three to six months they're going to help you sort that bit out and ship out and you know from there on controls takes over whatever the case may be do we do you see any specialized roles for pmo professionals dale uh i'm, I'm going to tell you what i see among uh, the the pmos that have been participating at the pmo global awards one of our projects the PMO Global Awards is today the largest and the, the most prestigious awards for PMOs and PMO leaders around the world. We are now close to the, the end of, the, of this year's edition. We have four companies uh, as finalists. Uh, in November, we will know which one is the winner. Uh, and in the last two years, I've been trying to identify what they have in common, right? And, and it's interesting because the first things that come to our mind are technical things, right? For example, agility or uh, 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 portfolio management, benefit management, or any other technical aspect. The point is, it looks like what makes them different, it's much more the mentality, you know, the mindset. And what, what I'm trying to say with that, uh, PMOs have been evolving over time, right? So, and when I say that, I'm, I'm talking about PMOs as a whole, you know, not as a concept. 
years ago, it was like uh, like a, a very you know controlling PMOs. People were very very concerned about time, cost. You know, it's it was like the police of the of the projects. You know, so you are doing mm. something wrong. Blah blah blah. It it shifted to another approach that was a very technical approach. So standards, tools. Still today, we have a lot of PMOs that their, their life is that, you know, the technical stuff. It doesn't matter if they are useful or not, you know, but they have to, to implement the best methodology, the best tool, blah, 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 and nobody cares. But okay, I, I feel that I'm doing my job. There is one more shift that is a focus on, on what people name uh, the, the strategy, right? Deliver the strategy. Yes, of course, it's important, right? And, and it's a very important shift because now I'm trying to, uh, uh, to, to, to drive what I'm doing based on on real needs, you know, strategic needs, but there, there is, in, in fact, there, there, there is more, you know, uh, and the, the, the next shift is understanding that the most important objective is your stakeholder, your customer. And why am I saying that? Because America's strategy is their objective. No, no, no. Strategy is the objective if it's the objective of your executives. Let me give you an, a real example. There is a very good PMO, you know, that I've been uh, uh, talking with them for, for a long time, and they were doing a great job with portfolio management. They had a very well-structured portfolio for the next 20 years, right? It was really great. And when the pandemic started, the president of that company, it's a big company in Europe, he called the PMO director and said, hey, uh, from now on, I need that you focus on time and cost of our current projects. And why? Because we are in the middle of a very serious financial crisis. We don't know if we will survive, right? So I need your 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 uh, support to ensure that projects will be delivered on cost and on time this year. That's what we really need. Mm. This guy, this PMO director called me a few days later uh, and we had a very interesting conversation and he, and he was very frustrated, you know. He said, come on, it's, it's a back step, you know. We were doing a great job with the portfolio and now we're looking for operational stuff, come on. The question that I did to him was, are you sure that it's a back step? Because a back step is when you are doing some, something well, and now you are doing the same thing in a very bad way. But that's not what we are talking about here. Again, we are talking about alignment. Imagine if in one month, the PMO director go back to the, the president, uh, uh, offs and say, hey, president, I'm here. I'd like to show you the portfolio for the next 20 years, right? The president will 
see that and say, come on, are you crazy? In 20 years, we will be dead, you know? So I, I, don't, I, I don't care about the portfolio for the next 20 years. No, but the strategy is very important, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. That's not what I want. And that's the point. It's mm. like Apple selling a new cell phone. Nobody wants to, to buy it. And Apple say, it's not my fault. It's a problem of the customers. You know, they, they don't see the value, the beauty of what I'm doing. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So the point is, the point is when you focus on your customers, you will be always aligned with what they really need. Sometimes, and most of the times, executives will need strategic things, you know, but, but you need to adapt all the time, right? So for me, this is something that they have in common. They have a very strong ability to adapt, to, 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 to see, to foresee this kind of thing, you know, the change that happens all the time. And based on that, reinvent what they are doing. That's the point. You are a service mm. provider. If your customer don't value what you are doing, it's not because they are crazy. It's because you are not doing what they expect. I'm sorry. That's the point. Yeah, no, very well put. So I think what I take from that is that we're always going to have to have this toolkit or tool belt. And by specializing, we'll probably hamstring ourselves if we do that. So it's probably best to arm ourselves with as much different types of armory or weaponry or whatever you want to call it that we can. So we have different points of attack. So that's fantastic. And then just back on integration. So we talk about, you know, you talk about your definition of centralizing, you know, all the various services. I just wonder, and we won't ask you for the best tools or technology, but I wonder, I want to ask you how important is it that technology integrates these various functions from finance and planning, et cetera. Um, obviously there's a lot of technology out there that, you know, decreases, you know, all of these low value transactional type tasks, Fel likes to call them, that adds little value or, or no value in, in many cases. Um, but I just wonder how important is it to get it working very, very seamlessly? Or do you not place too much value in, in the technology actually bringing all of those various functions together? Mm -hmm. I, th I think it's essential. Because look, when we talk about benefits, what they expect, they want a, a, a more reliable information. They want the information when they need, you know, so it should be available fast. They want uh completeness you know so we need all information uh to make a decision so all of this can be enabled by technology in a much better way so technology can support you a lot you know of course yeah. you have to make your choice you have to have a very well done implementation process but what i can tell you about technology is looking for the experiences around the world, I could tell you that most of the failures, they are not caused by the technology you have chosen. It's caused by, by the way you have implemented it. You disrespect the culture, you know, you didn't consider that it's a, a organizational change. Sometimes your company can't absorb it, 
you know, in the, in the time that you want. So the way that you implement the technology make the difference much more than which supplier you are choosing, you know, because there are like four or five, 10 of them that they are similar in most of the ways. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you take the first one, the second one, or the third one, it doesn't make a lot of difference. But you can take the first one and screw up everything because you are not giving the, the, the proper attention to the implementation process. No, very, very, very well put. And I'm going to bring Val in because he loves this technology uh, topic as well around it, Val. Yeah, look, it's um, it's something that we bring up a lot is the 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 adaption. I think we we're talking about before we press record, America, around you know what what will be the future with regards to PMO's role in rolling out applications. And you mentioned the old IT guy. I remember that very well, actually. Uh, when I first started out my career, there was always an IT guy or a, uh, what they called an ICT business partner who would kind of try and figure out what the business needs. But now we see a shift, obviously, over the last let's say five ten years where a lot of the digital transformation is actually sitting under the PMO umbrella. I think one is because we're quite versatile and you mentioned that before, we're quite malleable. We're able to pick up things, but it, it does, it does bother me in terms of capability. So when I, when I say that a lot of the times PMO people usually come from various other backgrounds, they might be finance or commercial. They might've come from project controls in some degree, um, but doesn't make us technological uh, experts and, there's some elements around how you roll out a technology. And we've seen, obviously, with some of the stats that are coming out, not Black Swan events, but actual uh, software and rollouts of software, um, they're not going out very well. And that's obviously impacted the appetites, perhaps, of, of people adopting technology. What would you say to people who are listening now, who are in PMO, who are in that position where maybe they don't have the skill set, uh, but they know that integration or at least transformation is part of the PMO kind of hat, if you like. We wear many hats. What could they do about that? Do you know where or how they could improve themselves or if there is anything uh, that they can do to help manage that transformation? In terms of skills and competences, I think that any PMO leader that can develop more, how can I say, consulting skills, you know, and, and consulting skills, not because you will be a consultant, but because it helps you to be more focused on what really matter that is your customer, much more than in the technical stuff that is mm. what we love, right? Uh, so technical stuff is what you're gonna, you, you use to create your solutions, but it's not the focus. So the, the point is, if you can develop some, some skills that will let you to open your mind you know, to uh, if you if you, I, I usually say that if you have too much too, too many answers, there is something wrong when you are talking about PMOs. You know, you uh, you you should improve your ability to ask questions because it will help you much more than bring all the solutions like this. You know, no, come on, let me ask the right questions. Let me understand the situation. You know, let me. Uh, finish my diagnosis uh, and now let me take what I have in my shelves you know and take and create something that can deliver value so uh, everything that can make you more flexible more adaptable more open-minded and with 
a, 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 a better uh, uh, wish to, to make questions instead of provide answers in, you know, immediately, yeah. I think it can help. Now that's fantastic. I, I, I kind of liken it to uh, when my daughter was in a, she was about five years old, you know, they, they're very, very curious. They have this curious mindset and, and, and anyone who's a parent has had a kid who says, why, why, why? And you're like, because, because, and actually, you know, you get frustrated because you actually run out of answers and you're like, I don't know why, you know, that you get to a point where this just, that's all I've got. I don't know anymore. And uh, it makes you really humbled and, and you realize how much you don't know about something. But I think that's, it's important to have that inquisitive mindset that that curious, you know, that curious kid who just wants to know how it all operates and works and, and is excited and just fascinated about how it works without, I guess, adopting any of their own biases, as you mentioned, or bringing a, a previous experiences forward if they're not required. You know, I think you need to diagnose first and then maybe some of your experiences or your expertise would be ap applicable, but not all the time. And I think it's also okay for people to say, I don't know. Um, we live in a world where we project the perception of knowing everything we, we project yeah. this idea particularly consultants and i'm and i'm one of them i'm not guilty of necessarily doing this i do like the i don't know facet clients don't like that but i think it's important to know that we can fail and that we should allow for failure because through failure there is innovation there is change there is new ideas and i also think that um that if if we always think we know the answers then we're always forced to use things we've already done and again, it, it stifles creativity in the PMO space. And I think that's what we need as well. We need to be creative and get the juices flowing. And that's kind of why I think Dale and I are now addicted to our own podcast because we get to speak to people like you and other experts around the world. And we're like, yeah, that's a good idea. And trying to adopt and adapt everyone's different perspectives is really, really exciting. Look, I want to get to the really important thing for you, Americo. You've created this fantastic uh, organization, uh, the PMO Global Alliance. Um, we are heading towards the end of the pod and I'd love to share a little bit about the history. Why did you set it up? What's its mission, vision, and purpose? Uh, and where is it going to next? Well, uh, as I told you in the beginning, I've been working the technical with the technical stuff for a long time, right? Uh, so uh, teaching for more than 20 years in MBA courses, uh, some books published, a lot of articles, speaking many conferences. But in fact, uh, what I really believe uh, is that the knowledge is in the people, is in the crowd. You know what I'm saying? Because each one of us, we can provide our point of view, we can provide our ideas, we can inspire people. And I believe on that, I'm, I'm a consultant too. But I really like the idea of bringing this knowledge from the crowd, you know, so we have a lot of experienced people and they collaborate and they can generate great things that they will, you know, they can some advantage for those things and, and they will uh, uh, bring many benefits for, their peers around the world. So because of that, I decided to stop my, my, my business of, uh, I had a 500 employees uh, uh, outsourcing and, and technology uh, focused on project management in, in Brazil. And I decided to sell this company because I saw on PMO Global Alliance a dream. You know, I could mm. create a real legacy that could uh, uh, last for some time, at least. 
uh, where people could work together and create great things. And that's what we have been doing. So our methodology, uh, for a, a very good example, we created a few years ago, uh, a certification program based on our methodology. Last week, we launched a new certification. The name is PMOCC, Certified Consultant. And why? Because there are some certifications on PMOs in the world, but all of them try to prepare you to be a better consultant on PMOs focusing on the technical stuff. Your, our certification also go deeper in our methodology, but two thirds of the certification process is based on providing consulting skills to these consultants. And why? Because I believe on that, that sometimes you know very well something technically speaking, but it doesn't make you a good consultant because to be a consultant is something different, right? You need to have much more skills, many more skills than just knowing how a PMO should be managed or should be set up. So I, I see many people that sometimes they are, they are working uh, on PMOs or project management for many years. They are great professionals and they say, no, it's time to move to consulting area. Or maybe they just leave their jobs, you know, because of many different reasons. And they say, well, now I have to be a consultant. And they fail. And why? Not because they don't know how to do those things, but because they don't have, you know, the real, the real uh, uh, spirit of, of a consultant in their, in their blood. And, and, I, and we created with the community this new certification because I think we can change the life of many people. People that are, are failing because, not because they don't know about PMOs or project management, but because they don't know how to be a consultant because there is no one to, to teach about that, you know? So our certification will be a little more, you know, open to, to other ideas and try to support those people a little more. So we have, as I said, many projects, the awards, you know, publications, uh, a directory of, of consultants. There are many, many things that can help the community. And it's not easy because actually we are young, very young, right? But, but we are proud about what we are building. In only four years, we reached so many members, you know, 12,000 people, more than 120 countries. So we, we are proud about what we are doing. It's not easy. Some, some days I'm really tired. <laughs> you know, I feel tired. Yesterday I was like that. But anyway, uh, it's, it's really nice when we see so many people sharing the same dream. You know, it's something that makes me feel really good. Yeah, that is fantastic and well done for all the hard work you're putting in. You know, those of us around the world in the PMO space, thank you for doing that, Americo. And I guess for those interested, they could go and find out more at PMOGA, is it? Dot world? Yeah, dot, dot world. That's it. So we'll post a link in the show notes as well, folks, so you can head along to that. But if you haven't heard of Americo or PMO Global Alliance, you've probably been living under a rock. Uh, that does bring us into our feature, Americo, the end of the podcast. Uh, the, the, the first one is called Defend the Indefensible. And those avid listeners will have realized Martin's not with us, so he says, sends his apologies. We'll give him all the actions from this meeting. Um, but uh, Defend the Indefensible 
it's inspired by ridiculous statements that we hear every single day. And what we do is we give you, our guest, a ridiculous statement and you have to defend it. So you have to argue for this ridiculous statement. Right. So are you ready? It's only 30 seconds you have to try and argue for it. Wow. Okay, let, let, let's try it. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Your statement is PMOs are just a blocker for delivery. <clears throat> right. Okay. Okay. In fact, PMOs are, they, they, they really doesn't help uh, the delivery of, of projects because uh, they try to, to centralize everything, you know. Actually, they suppose that they know how we should manage our projects, but they don't, they not even know too much about the, the business, you know. So how these young guys can come here and tell me how, what I should do, right? Doesn't make sense. I know how to do that. I don't need their help. And they are always, you know, uh, trying to, 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 to keep the control of something that doesn't belong to them. So I don't like PMOs. <laughs> uh, I've, I've already heard that in many different places, right? It, it was easy. This one, this one was easy. <laughs> yeah, and, and I thought it would be because, yeah, it, it's one of those things where we do hear a lot of, oh, it's just a boxing exercise, or why do I have to do that? And, you know, but anyway, bit of fun there. And thank you for being a good sport. Quick fire, fiver, uh, pop quiz, um, five quick fire questions all about yourself before we let you go. Are you ready? Yes, sure. Okay, question number one. Would you rather spend your day with people or technology? People. Question two. What are three must-have behaviors you look for in successful project teams? Collaboration. Uh, uh, collaboration. Team, team spirit. Right? And uh, trust. Awesome. Question three, what is the best book you've been gifted? The best book I've been gifted? Oh my God, I have so many, let me see. Uh, there, 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 there is one that I, I, I really, I, I think it's, it's really interesting. It's a book about, about the, the experience of an entrepreneur that started uh, with, with uh, the first railroads in Latin America. He was a rich guy and he died poor because of that, right? <laughs> Actually, but today what we have in terms of railroads in Brazil, for example, mm. it was because of him. So oh, it's wow. a very interesting entrepreneur experience that we can say that it was not successful, but it was, but not so fast enough for him to see the results, right? <laughs> yeah. It's also, um, is it the Notre Dame was built over like 200 years or something. So the original architect never saw it finished. I know mean, it's burnt down now as well and they're redoing it, but that was interesting as well. So very similar there. Question four, what is the biggest mistake you've made on a project? I thought that I had all the answers when I, when I was younger, young, you know, it's a, it's a very common behavior, I think, right? Mm -hmm. We believe that we know everything but it's not yeah. like that we hear it over and over and over and i love what you said earlier we just got to add more questions instead of more answers question five if you could spend if you could choose to spend a day with anyone past or present 
who would it be and why? Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a very good question. I think I, I, would, I, I like history a lot. You know, if I, if I, I usually say that if I'm, I'm not a project guy, I would like to be a history teacher, right? And one, one of the moments of the history that I most appreciate, and I think it's really, really interesting is, is the, the, that moment in the, in the second war, you know? And there are some, some, some people that, you know, they are admirable for what they, they did. And well, there are many, many of them that I could, I could say that I would like to, to know and to be, you know, for example, uh, that, that, is, that is one that everybody knows. Schindler is a, is a, is a, is a guy, you know, Some, uh, what, what he did, you know, mm. everything that he, he, he did, it was small in certain way, but what he tried to do was something admirable and, and is someone that I would love to, 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 to know. And I don't know if I could do the same, you know, because you have, you need a lot of courage, but maybe I would like to try. Amazing. Amazing. America Pinto in my worst Portuguese. Obrigado. Thank oh. you so much. It's been amazing <laughs> to have you on the show. Before we let you go, are there any final thoughts you want to leave our listeners with? Well, I, I, there, there is just one thing that I'd like to say, Dale and Val. Uh, it's very common in books, articles, and people say that one of the most common reasons for PMO failures is a lack of sponsorship. You know, because you don't have sponsorship, your PMO fails. So this is the reason of your failure. I'd like to invite your audience to think about something. A lack of sponsorship is the cause of your failure or it's the consequence, the evidence of your failure. Because when you lose your sponsorship, it's because you are not delivering perception of value. So how can you dare to deserve sponsorship? You know? So when you lose sponsorship, it's a warning. You know, it's a, something saying, hey, there is something wrong. You know, they are not seeing the value of what you are doing and you are losing your sponsorship. So don't say that you fail because of that. No, no, no. Actually, it's just the consequence of your failure. So that's something that I really believe and I think that you can, people can spend some time thinking about that. It's a, a good exercise. Amazing. It's good to leave them with that little one to ponder. Again, back to the GP analogy is that, you know, the symptom or the root cause. So there we mm. go. Val, any final thoughts from you? No, it's, it's, it's good to finally get you on the show, America. Um, obviously, you've got um, a huge audience out there and we would love to contribute. So uh, again, if people can check out the Value Ring, check out Global Alliance. Um, we're all in this together, right? And it's, uh, it's kind of a one team thing. I mean, PMO is a very unique career profession. So for all of those guys out there doing it hard, keep doing it. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. It was my pleasure. I hope you know those ideas can can help people 
in some way. And if you want to join us, you'll be very welcome. There is a lot of work to be done, right? But we are we are in a good a good path. So absolutely you'll be welcome. I agree, I agree. And yeah, we need to help each other in this space, especially now we're in virtual, so we can. We have more tools available yeah. to collaborate. But folks, that is all the time we have on this episode. Remember to hit subscribe before you go. A massive thank you once again to our guest, Americo Pinto. And thank you all for listening. Till next time, we say stay safe, be disruptive, and have fun doing it. From me and Val, it's bye for now. For more information, blogs, or to support our charities, visit projectchatterpodcast.com. And if you would like to sponsor the podcast, get in touch via our website. You can also leave us a voice message via our anchor page and let us know if there's something or someone specific that you would like on the podcast. The views, thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the participating individuals and not necessarily to the individual's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. Additionally, any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual.